that being what most people say about this podcast, welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Hummer, and I'm here with my uh, big brother, Doug. Yo. And of course, E-Nasty is in the building, the the master of sensation, uh, Eric Jacinto. What's up? Hello. Yo. Big night, How's boys. Everybody? Here for a, it was a great week. Long. It fantastic. Well, good. I mean, it, it was long, but I, I got to say this real quick. For anybody that misses the old uh, WWF uh, superstars of wrestling show that used to air on Saturday mornings back in the late 80s and early to mid 90s, it's actually not making a comeback, but on this channel called Saturday Morning Cartoon Max Out. Like to start their good lord uh, to start our their second season, they're doing their four hours of cartoons, but then they're adding a closer for that twelve to one window. Uh-huh. Tomorrow's closer is WWF Superstars of Wrestling. Cool. Now you and I will be at the films tomorrow, uh, so I probably won't get get to watch it till later on in the night. But I do plan on watching it. Also, because Real Ghostbusters is part of that lineup tomorrow as well, so oh, yeah. I can't necessarily skip out on that either. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I are could. You, are you going to watch that or take a nap? Uh, <laughs> probably watch that and hopefully fall asleep to it. If it if it's an episode of Superstars from like 1990, <sighs> 91, <laughs> I'll be falling asleep. There you go. We're here today to talk about another rivalry that we all enjoy, I think. Rivalry retrospective number 12 from the Unscripted crew. We have Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Kind of dominated the year 2003. It dominated the year 2003, and like it, it, the table started to get set for it in like 2002 because they're both amateur wrestlers, so it seemed like a natural fit. Uh and with the, but the only thing at the time is like when the two of them first kind of started having interactions, they were both heels. Even though Brock was starting to slowly get over with the audience, despite the fact that he had a permanent hemorrhoid in his butt crack, being Paul Haven. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> but people were still, uh, people were still navigating towards Brock, and he was getting over. The issue, uh, but like the thing is, they couldn't make him a full baby face because nobody could like it. The only people that liked Heyman were the only people he did not owe money to. But since he owed money to everybody, nobody liked him. Yeah. Like, thank God Brock Lesnar never had him control his money. Heyman <laughs> uh, would be dead by now. What, Heyman would be dead by now? Yeah, it's, it's, he messed up his money. Yeah, well, that might also explain why Brock had to start a farm from scratch. But, and then, like, with Kurt Angle, he was another one of those guys, he was a heel, but he was kind of that, like, you know, Kurt always likes to think of him as a no-nonsense heel. Yeah. But because everybody was able to make fun of him, like, it's just like, you you knew Kurt Angle's comedic side, but when he could have a serious side, just like Brock Lesnar has a serious side, 
And it's very rare that you get to see Brock Lesnar's comedic side unless he's smashing tables on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, they were just, they were a perfect fit because they're both competitors. They're both amateur wrestlers. They're both, they both want to be taken very seriously. Yeah. And in a bar fight, they could probably beat the fucking shit out of you. And... Kurt felt like the right guy to pass that torch. Yeah. More so than The Rock did at SummerSlam. That felt weird. Yeah, because Rock and... So, Brock and I think Rock were only five years age difference, right? Yeah. Isn't Kurt, like, maybe eight, nine years older than Brock? I think so. But it's not even, it wasn't the age thing. It just felt more like a fit for Kirk to do it. Kind of like the match of styles that you said, but also it just, not just the amateur wrestling thing, but it felt like The Rock was always more of a charisma guy. Yeah. And that's not really Brock's strong suit. No. So why is the charisma guy passing the torch to the no-nonsense heel? Right, because uh, Brock, again, like we said, if he's in the right setting, he can show charisma. Yeah. But that's not his character. His character is... I'm a beast. I can rip you apart with my teeth. And that that's that. Like, I will beat the fucking shit out of you. Yeah. Uh, there really is no charisma about it. The charismatic part about him, you know, when he was with them, was Heyman. Yeah. Uh, and that was, I mean, charismatic part. But, you know, if you notice, Brock Lesnar actually didn't start wearing jeans until after, uh, you know, Heyman, after, you know, Heyman betrayed him. Yeah. Because, you know, when you wear jeans, it's very easy for somebody to take your wallet out of your back pocket. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Brock Lesnar wore, like, those athletic uh, sweatpants or whatever, those jogger pants, you know, he had in the side pocket, and he could tell when Paul's getting ready to reach for it. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, then when Heyman left his side and went with Roman Reigns, he's like, all right, it's easy for me to wear jeans now. And that's what was cool about this feud is that Heyman was still involved, but he didn't feel like a huge part to it. Yeah. And I think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but even though I think I'm the only one that might actually know this, uh, I believe Heyman was actually writing SmackDown at the time. I think they brought him on the team in like 2002 to, was it 2002 to 2005? And then when Corn, and then they fired him for, or didn't fire him from SmackDown, but he got demoted to OVW because they fired Cornette yeah. and they thought about firing Heyman. But then he's just like, he's just like, you know what? will make him, like, Heyman's not going to fit in in Louisville. So <laughs> so we'll make him move down there. But he actually had fun working with the guys. Well, yeah, because he, he's able to develop talent. Yeah. Uh, and also, too, it was also easier because, again, this is another shot at how bad he is with money, but Danny Davis was controlling the money at times. So Heyman wasn't really able to get to it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think from 2000, I, in this time period, I'm pretty sure Paul was writing the show. Yeah. 
And it was good. It it kind of starts with the build, right? Yeah. And with Heyman turning heel and getting with Kurt. Or, well, Kurt turning heel and getting with Heyman. Right. Because at first, it was Kurt. It was Heyman turning on Brock and having Big Show be the first one to beat Brock. Yep. Okay. And then Heyman says, I had Brock's power of attorney. Brock's never getting another title shot. Kurt Angle convinces Brock Lesnar, hey, be in my corner in Armageddon. Help me win the title. You'll get your title shot. Heyman, being the sleazy lawyer that he thinks he is, then negotiates the contract with Kurt Angle and put it in the fine print that Brock can't get another, a title shot as long as Kurt Angle is champion. Yeah. So, and that, because I, I remember that whole thing being just like, no, holy shit. Like, he really fucking, uh, you know, they're really putting the screws to him. Because Kurt was starting to get on a baby face run. Yeah. And then, they turn him heel. I feel like around this time, he was kind of like Kane and Big Show, though, to where he played both sides a lot. He he did. I think, yeah. I think it was just more, okay, Kurt, we need a baby. We need baby faces, so can you do this? Because people would cheer for him, but he could also do despicable shit sometimes. Yeah. Because people did like it. Kurt Angle is a very likable guy. He is. Uh, yeah, like obviously, the cat doesn't think so. <laughs> but... Uh, so when when he uh, but yeah, like you said, like you know, he is a very likable guy because he can because the crowd does like him. But then he you know does the despicable shit. You know, like aligning with Paul Heyman. Yeah, you could not get any lower than that. Yeah, that's in the definition of uh, yeah. despicable. In wrestling, the lowest form you can go is being a Heyman guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And that just shows how good Heyman is. So unless you're Curtis Axel, yeah. Uh, but so Kurt, you know, doing that, and then that one SmackDown, which was right after Armageddon, where Brock did the uh, did the deal. He came out to help Chris Benoit, but he got beat up at the end, and you know they ended the show, even though like. The footage showed that, like, even though he got beat up, he came back, and that's when he F5'd Kurt up against the ring post, and Kurt fucked up his knee. Oh. Like, that was not, like... Like, I think... I do not think that that was, that was planned. I'm pretty sure that Brock did Dude. that to make sure he got the last word. Because <laughs> around this time, too, Taz said one time that around... Like, you know, 2002-2003, Kurt and Brock were riding together. Yeah, they were friends. They were friends and they were riding together. But they were starting to hear, uh, like, the office was starting to hear about how, you know, the car rides were getting a little intense. So they had Taz ride with them. And, well, you know, Kurt and, you know, Brock's one of the most, you know, uh, no nonsense guys on the planet, uh, and really, you know, he can be miserable. Taz defines miserable. Taz was a miserable old man when he was eighteen. This is uh, so he got put with him, and he would say, "He's just like there were times where I thought we were going to have to pull the car over, and they were going to have to fight in the, in the middle of the road." Yeah. 
but like that that was their competitiveness and, and but you knew that they were going to build towards WrestleMania 19 yep which a lot of those builds started in about December December January cuz like if you think about it, Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho started in December Hogan and McMahon started in January you know, Rock and Austin, you know, you kind of knew what was going to happen there, or you thought. Yep. Uh, you knew that Booker was going to break out and be a single star because they knew that there wasn't much more they could do with Goldust as his partner, even though him and Goldust were still friends. Yeah. So, like, all those builds were, were starting, and WrestleMania, even though it's not one of my, it's not really in my top ten of WrestleManias, yeah, but like it is considered by a lot of people one of the most underrated. Yeah. And I could see why. Yeah. Because the four big matches, which were Jericho Michaels, Triple H, Booker T, uh, you know, Hogan McMahon, or technically, you could say five main events. Uh, you know, Hogan, McMahon, and uh, Rock and Austin, and then uh, Kurt and Brock. Those five matches basically sold this. Now, there were three other matches on the show. Which, three or four. and the thing about WrestleMania 19 and the match was there's so many things with this that makes it such a crazy story. Not even just the shooting star press. Because didn't Kurt go into this thing with a fucked up neck? Yeah, he had actually, like, he had been begging to drop the title, like, beforehand. Like, they were actually thinking, like, he had even said, he's just like, just let me, like, I can't do WrestleMania. Then I heard he reportedly told yeah. Vince he was good, though. I, I think he was kind of, well, because he had also heard because Austin was having issues. Yeah, that's the thing. This wasn't even supposed to be the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, it was supposed to be Rock and Austin, no. but Austin ended up in the hospital the night before. Yeah, everyone had a fucked up back. Yeah, and he's just like, and he told Vince, he's like, I can't, like, I got to go out there and work with the Rock. I can't do main event. So let Kurt and Brock go because they're the tough. Well, it was basically Kurt and Brock had to be main, main event because that was going to be the title change. Yeah, you couldn't have. Triple H beat Booker T in the main event. Well, yeah. yeah. Triple H and Booker T could have been the main event if Triple H would have been willing to do the job. Yeah. He wasn't. Another story for another time. So, it had to be Kurt and Brock because Kurt, you know, could do business. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and he was going to have surgery, so. Yeah. But, no, Kurt, like, for a while, like, there was even a SmackDown where the main event was Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, and it was rumored that Brock was going to was going to win the title that night. But then they did a swerve where, where Kurt brought his brother Eric out, and it looked like he was going to get the win. But they did like that switcheroo bullshit because again, and it was a it was a short match, but it had his real brother Kurt couldn't work. What, the WrestleMania 19 match? No, the SmackDown, like, uh, a few weeks before. Yeah. Before, before SmackDown. Before WrestleMania. Yeah. I said, well, it was like two Smackdown. His real brother. 
It was three SmackDowns before WrestleMania. It was on the road. Yeah. But the WrestleMania match, there's a huge asterisk on this thing because of the shooting star press. Right. Because of Brock, which was Kurt Angle's idea. He, he admits it. And they were going to end it with the big spectacle of this big hulking beast doing a fucking shooting star press off the top of the rope, which is nuts. Brock's done it in OVW before. He knows the move. But didn't go well. Didn't get enough air. Crashed on his neck right next to Angle. Didn't even look like he hit Angle, really. Right. And that's the huge asterisk on this match. But people forget, this is a 30-minute spectacle awesome match. This is a lot of fun. If you go back and watch this match, it's great. Right. So who got hurt? Well, Kurt went into it hurt. Brock hurt himself doing the shooting star okay. press. They both left with bad necks. Yeah, well, yeah, Brock ended up with like a grade one concussion or something like that. Yeah. And th- the thing about that, too, is with with Brock, it was, yes, he did the movement in OVW, but he was not, like, he was jacked. But he wasn't like I, I think when he got to the company or when he got to the, the main roster or whatever they call it back then, you know he was like 295 pounds. When he was in OVW, he was like 250, 260. Yeah, but and it's also doing it in front of 200 people is great. Yeah, trying it out in front of 200, but doing it at the highest spectacle in front of 60,000 people, millions of people on pay per view, maybe not. The right. time to try new shit. Well, yeah, and also you said thirty minutes, right? Even Brock Lesnar is going to be winded after thirty minutes. Yeah. So you're not going to get because, like, when you come off with a shooting star, first of all, Kurt was in the middle of the ring. You've seen Billy Kidman do this before, right? Yeah. The shooting star. Of course. Okay. Billy, it's his move. Has. The guy almost in the corner. Yeah. To where he can reach him. Kurt was too far away. So you already knew that something bad was going to happen. Because of how far Kurt was. Yeah. But some guys do try to do it that way. But they can get enough air. Like smaller guys can get enough air to do that shit. Yeah. Not 6'5", 295 pound guys. No. Not at all. And he tried, but it just didn't go well. But the match itself was perfect. Yeah. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, and the fact that he was able to kind of bounce back, do what he had to do, and then won. Yeah, because he added all that other shit as improv because it was supposed to end with the shooting star. Right. So that's crazy. And they're both professionals. And then you hear the stories of Bruce talking about, like, finding Kurt Angle, like, in the shower, like with his clothes on or something, like all fucked up afterwards. Yeah. And Brock, the rusher Brock to a hospital. Apparently behind the scenes afterwards was a nightmare. Oh, yeah, because they had all sorts of shit that was going wrong. Because Austin's fucked. He's leaving. Your two top guys are fucked. Everyone's mad about Booker losing. Yeah. Like, and, you know, by the way, also, and not that it necessarily makes sense, but like, uh, Kurt Angle, or not Kurt Angle, RVD and Kane, they weren't happy about getting bumped because originally they were going to be on WrestleMania, but then they got bumped to Heat. Because, yeah. you know, it was one of those things. I don't even think they were doing a four-hour WrestleManias at the time. Yeah. 
Because I think WrestleMania started at 8, ended at 11, and that was it. I don't think they started giving, like, that extra. Like, some of them got, like, the extra hour. But I think in, like, 2003, they're just like, fuck it. It's only going to go three. Yeah. But then afterwards, I was like, no, it's got to go four. Because, like, that just makes the most fucking sense. Because it's WrestleMania, so it has to go the extra hour. Yeah. You know, now they go nine. But, uh... Now it's a weak event. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... So, like, yeah, all that shit just, you know... It was... It wasn't necessarily a snake bit show. It was just more... Uh, even though a lot of things went good, it was just like you had to pay a price for those things to go good. Yeah, shit was going good on screen besides the shooting star, but everything was going bad off screen. Yeah, because you had guys... Because I think there was even like kind of a dispute with Hogan. There's always a dispute about Mike. Well, the reason why I say that is because even though he won, they were going to do... Uh, you know, McMahon comes out a few weeks, you know, just a few days later and says, no, you, you know, you don't have to retire, but I'm going to keep you off TV anyway. And I'm just going to pay you to sit at home. Yeah. So I still win. Yeah. I don't think in that, again, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but Vince did not want to lose that match to Hogan at WrestleMania. Like, I think he tried to get Hogan to let him win. Really? Yeah, and then they were just gonna do. <coughs> then they were just gonna do the thing because remember, Hogan came back as, as Mr. America. Yeah, but I, I just feel like when Vince does those matches, I feel like you know he's gonna lose. So th- to me, that's a little hard to believe. But I mean, I, oh, I again, like I, I don't necessarily have clarification. Yeah, it's just on a, it. a theory, but I feel you. But yeah, this match was legendary, and it might be the best of the three. Yeah. Eric, what were your thoughts on the WrestleMania match? I I liked it. I I watched it earlier today, yesterday, and I liked it. But I we'll talk about the next other match. But this I don't think this was the best of the three. The three big matches. It was very. It was a very good match. Despite a crying with injury. Yeah, I agree. And I think it really, it did its job of putting Brock on the map, too. Yeah. Because Brock looked awesome yeah. in that. He did, and then Brock had a really good title run. Yeah. It ended at the right time, but it was a good title run. I mean, it ended at the right time, and then, you know, not that long after, he got the, you know, he got the belt back. Yeah. So then it ended at the right time again. Yeah. All right. SummerSlam, and the road to SummerSlam. Well, hold on. Should we talk first about the triple threat with Big Show? Well, yeah, but I, I consider that a part of the road to SummerSlam. Oh, I thought you just said SummerSlam. Right. Well, yeah. I missed the road part. Yeah, I said it immediately after. But, uh. Yeah, talk about it. Because this match is really good. So, and it's kind of seen as first 4A. Besides the Backlash match. Well, it's seen as three because Cena worked with Undertaker. Yeah. So, the, the match at uh, Vengeance. But I mean for the title. He didn't work with Taker for the belt, did he? No, this was Big Show, Brock, and Angle. Okay. Angle and Brock. 
Yeah. So originally it was supposed to be the two of them, uh, you know, one-on-one, Kurt and Brock. Big Show gets added to the match because Big Show pinned Mr. America uh, in a six-man tag. Wasn't Cena supposed to be in it, though, at least? No. Cena was working. Hey, I thought it was the other way around. I thought Big Show and Brock were the original and Kurt got added to no, it was back. Kurt, it was Kurt and Brock. Kurt and Brock and Big Show got added to it because he pinned Mr. America, Hulk Hogan, in a six-man tag. And that actually was Hogan's last appearance in WWE for a couple of years because he got fired because of an interview he did for HBO. Oh. Roddy Piper got fired for the same uh. thing because they were talking about, you know, wrestlers that died that were friends of theirs. Yeah. And they both, you know, said some stuff that Vince did not like. So Vince said, okay, you're both out. Big show gets added to the triple threat match. Cause then also, uh, Big Show was uh, was going to take on Stephanie McMahon and Zach Gowan in a handicap match. Yeah. And then we had uh, so Vince then put Big Show in that match. Kurt Angle ended up winning the match anyway. And then not that long after, we thought we were getting Brock Lesnar and Hulk Hogan, or Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon in the cage match with Kurt as the referee. Brock Lesnar had gotten taken out earlier in the night. They thought Kurt Angle had done it. And Brock passed out in the middle of the cage. Vince wanted the pinfall. Kurt said, no, I'm going to put you in the ankle lock instead. And then Brock popped up and had five of them. And that was Brock's heel turn. Yeah. And Brock became like a vicious beast once again. Yeah. But, like, because, yeah. you know, it was jealousy over the fact that, you know, Brock had been the top guy of the company. Kirk comes back, takes the spot back from. But I like the build to this one, and even though I think the WrestleMania match is better, I like the dynamic of Brock as the heel and Kurt as the babyface a little more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's different. Yeah, you talk about... What? Oh, never mind. No, go. No, I was trying to say... You like the um, medium match better than uh, SummerSlam? I personally do, but I think I like the build to SummerSlam better. I think I like the story around the uh, SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah, because the story around the SummerSlam match is Brock is an unstoppable beast. He was beating the shit out of people. You know, he put Brian Kendrick on the yeah. shelf. He basically he destroyed any momentum Zach Gowan was gonna have. He fucking killed Zach Gowan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he yeah. Him, I still love watching that clip when he puts him on the stretcher and then fucking swings him across the turnbuckle or yeah. the, the post. And he, he gets his blood and puts it on his uh, chest. Yeah. Right. And, like, because, and the thing is, it's because Zach Gowan was supposed to have, like, the big match, like, this big match against Matt Hardy at SummerSlam. And Vince is just like, why? What are we doing with this guy? Yeah, like he's got one. Like we understand he was a novelty. And yeah. He wasn't good. Yeah, he wasn't that great in the ring. Right, and it's hard to with one fucking leg. But I mean, the fact that like Vince worked with him, and even Vince is just like you know, I worked with him, and nobody gave a shit. Yeah, 
When Vince tries himself to make you over and it doesn't work, I think he gets a little discouraged. Yeah. Because he's like, well, I couldn't do it, pal. Yeah, and then, like, uh, like with Matt, uh, you know, they were going to finally put him over against Matt Hardy, but then Vince is just like, you know what, fuck it, you know, let's just, let's write him off TV for a while. Yeah. And then when he did come back and he beat Matt Hardy, because when he beat Matt Hardy, I think it was at No Mercy that year, that's if Matt Hardy was being punished. Yeah. Because Matt Hardy was bitching because he wanted to be on Raw with Lita. Yeah. And they're just like, dude, like we have we have stuff for you to do here. Yeah, version one's working. You're a good cruiserweight champion. Yeah, like, stay you're, here, bitch. You're like, stay here. We got a good thing going on with you and Shannon Moore. People love the version one shit, the attitude, and yeah. So just stay here. Shut up. And he's like, no, I want to be with my girlfriend. And they're like, shut up. No, I want to be with my girlfriend. It's like, all right, if we put you on Raw, you're doing jobs. They're like, your girlfriend's fucking somebody else anyway. <laughs> not, not yet. No, no. But, uh, yeah, it was just like, it, it was all like nuts. Because that's the only reason why Zach Gowan beat him. Because then Zach Gowan ended up, the last match he ever had was against Tajiri. He ended up with a concussion. And then Vince was just like, all right, we're not bringing you back. Yeah. Uh but to get back to, to Brock and Kurt, like, the whole buildup for the SummerSlam match where he just beat the fucking shit out of everybody and he was back to being this killer. But then they have the SummerSlam match and, you know, Brock taps out. Yeah. But I think that's what made it work, though, too. Because it's like, this is this, like, he wasn't undefeated, but this is this guy that's lost very few times and it seems like he's never going to be able to lose. I think he only lost, like, twice. So the fact that Kurt had him tap out in the middle of the ring, it was a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I thought it added another really good layer to this. It did. And by the way, I believe this was like his fourth or fifth loss. Okay. Because I think it was two losses to Big Show. Yes. And two losses to Kurt. Okay. So I think this would have been yep. the fifth then he lost to Undertaker. Like, like to Kurt and Tags, or? Uh, to Kurt on that, uh, in that swerve before WrestleMania. Yeah. And then to Kurt at, because he's the one that got pinned at Vengeance. Right. So, and then Big Show beat him, obviously, once for the title. And then another time in the three-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Big Show and World's Greatest Tag Team versus Brock in the three-on-one. Oh, okay. Because Brock was getting punished because he okay. was Vince up for an F5. He didn't execute the F5, but he, he lifted him up. Vince is like, I got to punish the man that lifted me up for an F5. And it's just like, he should have fucking dropped you. <laughs> On the stable's tips. Uh, what? Well, because he was with Sable at the time. Yeah. Well, uh, Vince was on camera with Sable. Oh. Rockman stole his bitch. Yeah. Or lady. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need Brock Lesnar breaking down the door of this place. He can't break down my door. Jesus Christ. Easy. He can, uh... I was going to say he can break down my door, too, for some reason. Uh... <laughs> But, he, no, he's... He's like your door to have. 
<laughs> I think he'd rip anybody's door in half. But uh, he's a fucking, he's a beast. Yeah. But let's go to the yeah. kind of the third chapter and the the finale in WWE to the storyline. Because yes, and we will get to the IW, but to me that feels separate because that's a whole nother situation with uh, keeping the belt. Well, and hostages. also remember, so we can't really uh, jump over that. I mean, we kind of can, but they did cast an opposite Survivor Series team. Okay, so cover that. Uh, well, the Iron Man match was first. Okay. Uh, Thanks for you off your game. That's, I think that's your goal with every show. But uh, <laughs> the the Iron Man match, to me, for something, I think it's cool when you've done a match several times on pay-per-view and, like, people love it, and then you're like, all right, we're going to give it to you this time for free. Right. And on free yep. television, on a taped episode of SmackDown, uh, you get a 60-minute Iron Man match with Brock and Kurt. That was a big fucking deal. They don't do that a lot. No, and... Remember, then on Raw, they did it the next year with Benoit and Triple H, H, and that was live, so a lot more could go wrong with that. But that worked, too. That was still awesome, too. Oh, that was... was, Both matches are really good. Every Iron Man match that Triple H has ever been in, surprisingly, has been really good. Yeah. The only person that cannot... Or the only two people that cannot pull off a 60-minute Iron Man match... Our Bret Hart. I know. I knew you guys did that. Shawn Michaels couldn't pull it off, even though they should. But Brock and Kurt, Triple H and Rock, and Triple H and Benoit could. Yeah. I mean, even Cena and Orton. Technically, not an Iron Man match, but all the people that Ric Flair went 60 minutes with in the 80s. Yeah. They could. Like, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, the two guys that should be pulling this off. Like, they didn't pull it off. They just threw tape over it. Yeah. But these guys fucking went hard. It was a match for the ages. It was really fucking good. And it was a good spot for Brock to win the belt back. Yeah, because, yeah. like, and you remember, Brock cheated his way to the title. Like, every fall was Brock doing some kind of shortcut. Yeah. And, and it worked, though. Yep. And it was a good, because it felt like this feud needed to end with Brock going on top, at least. Uh, but yeah, and that was that was the cool part about it was because you knew that Brock had to move on to something else. Yeah, and it was Undertaker, and then you know stuff with Benoit, stuff with Bob Holly, and then obviously you know the stuff with Eddie Guerrero because then Brock was gonna you know start working with smaller guys. Yeah. Which, you know, worked. And, you know, Brock, you know, liked working with smaller guys because they made him look good. Yeah. They yeah. they do, especially current day. But yeah. but back then, this was awesome. It was – and what makes this rivalry so special is there's a competitiveness to it. Yeah. It's not really a blood feud. It's not really too good. Even, like, the build the like, WrestleMania when they're drinking milk together and shit. Like, that shit was fun. And it was fine. What about the push-up contest? That was cool. But it wasn't a heated blood feud, really. It was just two guys that had an intensity in the ring. So whenever you rang the bell, shit was going to go off. And it was awesome. 
oh yeah, shit was going to go off, shit was going to go down. Because there was a competitiveness and an intensity that aren't in other rivalries. That's that's what makes this one special to me. Is that when the bell rings, both guys are locked in, and it just seems like a war. It feels closer to MMA. Yeah. I I never understood why Kurt Angle never really got in the cage. I mean, probably because it would probably fucking kill him. They talked about it, but I just think for a lot of high-level wrestlers like that, I just think, and by the age that he was talking about it, too, I think the prospect of getting punched in the face just didn't seem very appetizing to him. Right. Because he could have been a great fucking fighter with the ground game and shit if he got a good stand-up coach. Yeah, he could have done fine. But I think just at a certain age, people are like, nah, I'm going to get punched I mean, in the face. Imagine, like, a dream match, though. Yeah. Well, because him and Liddell was the thing for a while that they talked about. Because yeah. I remember, like, looking at it on YouTube in fucking 2009 when I was a little kid of them talking shit on different radio shows. Uh, but you could have, yeah, there could have been a lot of good men. Him and George St. Pierre would have been great. That, but he's a he was too, another one I was going to mention. A little too big, but yeah, for Pierre, but it would have been good. Uh, you know, yeah. another one, obviously, Couture. Yeah. His only issue is that, naturally, he's like 240, 230, and he would have to cut hard to do light heavyweight. Because right. at heavyweight, he would have been screwed. Yeah. Because he would have got guys like Brock and fucking... Uh, Trey, or not Trey, God, Mir. Frank Mir and fucking... Who's that big fucker that... Shane Carwin? Okay, fucking, yeah. And then uh, eventually Griffin. fucking the Cade Velasquez and fucking Alistair over in like the fucking crazy guys. Like, he wouldn't have been able to go with them, but it, w- it would have been interesting. But to me, Kurt has always been the most underrated wrestler of all time. Yeah. And I'll always still give that to him because he, he's given his due, but just not enough because he was like the perfect heel kind of backup for that attitude era when he did that. And then he kind of championed the ruthless aggression and made sure guys like Cena and Batista and stuff, not really Batista, but like Cena and shit were ready and had good matches with Eddie around the time and Benoit and all, him and Benoit can always put on a masterpiece. Right. But, and, and you can't forget Edge. Yeah. Edge too. But and he made Edge look good and got him ready and his stuff with Ray just like around this time he was really locked in and then of course he goes to TNA and has a great career too even if he's on perks the whole time. It's I, I, I stand by this. I think TNA career is better. I can't go that far because of how much iconic stuff. I'll give you Christian. I'll give you Christian. Oh I'll yeah, the, yeah. Christian had a way better Christian career in TNA than he did in WWE. If you put both side by side. Right. But Kurt Angle, I think he did a, with the milk truck shit and the funny uh, behind the scenes stuff with uh, uh, Austin right. and the comedy stuff, but also the intensity stuff he was doing around. And even the wrestling machine shit when he was right before he left with Cena. Uh, I think Kurt just did too much good stuff in WWE to say the TNA run was better. But I think it like it was just a continuation of his good work. I still think one of the greatest yeah. WrestleMania matches, it's in definitely in my top three, is the match in him and Eddie from 20, you know, when Eddie got that WrestleMania moment. Because I think going into that WrestleMania, everybody's like, yeah, Kurt's going to win. Yeah, because we all knew that the the story was like Benoit getting his big win. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be Eddie retaining. But the fact that Eddie retained, had his moment, and then he came at the end with Benoit, and they got to hold the belts together, that was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was like, because even like uh, like beforehand, when Eddie's just like, look, you know, Chris, just no matter what tonight, you just know 
everybody's proud of you. He goes, what do you mean, no matter what? Like, I'm not losing tonight. And he goes, you're wrestling Triple H and HBK. Like, nobody believes in you. And Benoit got fired up and all yeah. that shit. And Eddie's laughing, <laughs> like, in the background. And he's like, yeah, he what, the hell? what the hell is so funny, Eddie? He goes, that's what I'm trying to get out of you. And, like, that motivation. He's like, I believe. Great. And it was just like. Yeah, it was so good. It was, so, it was such a good moment. But then, like, you're thinking, okay, uh, like, you know Kurt's going to beat Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And I just remember being like so into that because again we got that and you know we were already into like the fucking ten o'clock hour. And it, by the way, still like one of my favorite WrestleManias. Yeah. Because everything on that was good. Yeah. And like it, the tag stuff. by the way, that was like the first WrestleMania you actually got to watch live. Yeah. Uh so yeah, you know, that's another big moment. Uh well for you. I was but, about to say, yeah, that goes up in WWE history. Yeah. <laughs> uh but, like, the fact that, like, we're already in, like, that 10, you know, 10 o'clock hour or something like that, and the fucking show started at 7. Yeah. Uh, and you still have two other matches to go. But, like, the fact that, you know, you were up, you were invested, Bapa came back over after getting, you know, Nana back home. He's just like, I can't miss the last three matches, even though I think he missed, like, half of Eddie yeah. or something like that. Uh or no, he. Or I forgot how it was, but he came back. He's just like, I can't miss this shit. Yeah. He goes, it's my money going into this. I got to fucking watch it. But like, just the fact that Eddie won, and we're just like, holy shit! Like nobody saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously because Kurt wanted to take time off from the ring. He did. But. Uh. But yeah, like the whole, but also with Brock too, like when Brock put Eddie over, and I know this really has nothing to do with Eddie, but I mean, those are two guys, like the fact that Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle back to back months, like that just shows that one, the belief that they had in him and two, you know, how much they're just, the company's just like, all right, we're going to go in a new direction. Let's see what this guy can do. And he had probably two of the greatest matches back-to-back. But, and the thing about all that is that Eddie took, I still, like, see how selfless Eddie was that day and how he had one of the best WrestleMania matches still. But you can tell that his heart was in Benoit's moment and seeing his friend finally get the big one. You can tell he was like, I got my moment last month. Judgment Day was fucking amazing. Not Judgment. No Way Out was fucking awesome. I got to go in the crowd. Everyone was chid. The fucking crowd was electric. His mom and brother were yeah. there. I had my moment. It might not have been WrestleMania, but I had my WWE Championship win moment. Yeah. Let's celebrate Benoit here. Let's celebrate my best friend. Right. And I know with everything, you know, yeah. but I, still. Because, again, too. It's just sweet for the two friends. Right. Know? Because, again, like, you know, he had his mother... And brother in the crowd at there, uh, you know, in the crowd for in San Francisco, mainly because also Eddie's family drew a lot of money in San Francisco back in the day. Yeah, like you know, the Guerreros did very well in El Paso. Yeah, well, this was San Francisco. Yeah, Uh, but Roy Shire and Gory Guerrero, you know, 
had kind of like a, a business relationship. Yeah. To where, like, you know, they would trade talent and all that. And the Guerreros drew very well in, in the Cow Palace. But then, like, you go to WrestleMania and, you know, Benoit's family's there. Uh, and I promise there's no sick joke after this. So, uh, <laughs> like, so that's how it's just like, okay, Eddie had his moment. Now it's time for Benoit to get his. Yeah. That's just how it felt. Yeah. But let's cover the Survivor Series match a little bit. Because I escapes my memory a little bit. I remember it because I love Survivor Series 2003 or four. Three. 2003. Okay. Brock Lesnar, uh, A-Train, Big Show, Nathan Jones, and Matt Morgan. Oh, my God. Team Brock Lesnar, which was just all guys that were basically Heyman was paying to protect Brock. All the big guys that couldn't work. No offense yeah. to Big Show. And Matt Bloom. So is, Brock and Heyman were back together? Very good. They were they, they were unofficially back together, Eric. Like, Heyman was the general manager of SmackDown, and he was protecting Brock. Now, their opponent... It's just funny because he gave me earlier. He, got, he turned on him. Yeah. So, their opponents were Team Kurt Angle. It was Kurt Angle, uh, Chris Benoit, Bradshaw of the APA... John Cena and Hardcore Holly. Hardcore Holly coming back after a year off due to a neck injury. Uh, but not cleared to return yet. Like they ran these vignettes oh. that he was going to be part of the show and all that. And like he's coming back. He was going to be on, you know, at Survivor Series. He technically was not cleared to return yet. So that's why like they disqualified him at the beginning of the match. For attacking Brock. Yeah. Uh, Kirk gets eliminated. Kirk's right. like the third guy eliminated. Uh, so, like, he was eliminated third. But, I mean, he took out both Matt Morgan and Nathan Jones. Yeah. But then Brock took him out. Who won the match? Brock's team? Right. No, Kurt's team. Who was the social uh, John Cena and Chris Benoit. There you go. So here's actually what's funny. When John Cena was recruited to be in, uh, you know, on Kurt's team, they did a match. It was a tag team match. I forgot who. It might have been uh, Brock and Big Show versus Cena and uh, Cena and, and Benoit. Michael Hayes pitched uh, an idea in the creative meeting that said that after Cena and Benoit get the win, they go for a handshake and Cena does Steve Austin and picks up Benoit and hits him with the FU. Yeah. Everybody hated that idea. So they're like, just don't bring it up to Vince. Like it, it's a bad idea because we're trying to turn John babyface. Yeah. What's the first thing mullet does? He brings it up to Vince in the fucking creative meeting. Yeah. So, and Vince says, oh, that's a good idea, pal. So, they do it, they shoot it, and it happens. Everybody wants to kill Michael Hayes. Because <laughs> they're just like, dude, this is stupid. We're trying to make them be a team. 
we can't air. So Stephanie McMahon and Paul Heyman both made the call. It's just like, all right, we know that he got Vince's permission to do this, but we're kind of in charge of the TV here. So fuck you, Hayes. We're editing out your part. Uh, That put him in, like Stephanie McMahon wanted to kill him. Yeah. Because they're they're just like, it's not going to work. Well, Vince is really good at approving stuff that doesn't work. So uh, he's just like, oh, yeah, pal, that's good shit. But then Vince actually saw it, like, sitting in Gorilla. He saw it, and he's just like, this isn't going to work. And that's when they're just like, oh, that's why you don't give that fucking moron any leeway. Treat, treat him like you treat Vince, like you treated Vince Russo, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so Benoit and Cena ended up winning Survivor Series. They got along just fine. Good. Uh and then, yeah, that was the last time that Brock and Kurt had to wrestle each other in WWE. Kind of a lackluster ending, to be honest. I'd rather refer to the Iron Man as an ending. Yeah. Uh, well, my bad. I had to... No, no. I'm had... glad we talked. I mean, it's part of it, so it's good to talk. I'm just saying, like, booking-wise, it feels like yeah. the Iron Man's a good place to stop. Yeah. I get it. Like, all these guys have wrestled a lot. Let's make them captains. But that feels more like Ham Brady wrestling. Let's just do this. Yeah. Well, not a well-developed story like what had come before. Well, remember, because that's kind of what Survivor Series used to be about back in the day. Is that like yeah, settling, it was guys thrown together, settling year-long feuds in team in team. Yeah, matches. but it didn't settle it. It was already settled. Yeah, Brock, Brock already got the belt back. Yeah, and Kurt was out third. So what what got settled? Nothing. Nothing. It just basically that's I, started. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean technically, what it started was. Yeah, it started technically Cena's rise to yeah, you know stardom. That's basically what that was meant for. Yeah. Even though that one was the one that tapped out Lesnar, the fact that uh, Cena got the final pinfall on Big Show. Yeah, it was a big deal. That was what that was for. And by the way, it opened up Survivor Series that year. So that's. Let's talk about the real final chapter to this. And IWGP. Right. This is New Japan. New Japan, the IWGP world title. Right. This is how I know this story. If I'm wrong, correct me. Try not to interrupt mid-sentence. But from what I... I don't know who he won the title off of. Who did he win the title off? Brock? Yeah. Might have been Nakamura. I'm not sure. Okay. Brock wins the title... Anoki wants it back. Brock holds it hostage. That's kind of what I got from what I know about this situation. Right. Brock holds the title hostage, and Brock says, no, fuck you. I don't know if it's money. I I don't know it that well. But Brock says, I don't know if it's Brock, but they're like, we're going to bring Kurt Angle in to beat you. And Brock says, all right, I'll lose to Kurt. If we're going to handle this, let's let Kurt do it. Kurt can be the guy to take the belt off me, and then I'll go do UFC, and you guys can suck my fucking ass. Right. That's how I read the situation. I mean, it sounds like, sounds like it was right, because Brock and Kurt were still doing a lot of training together. Yeah. They were buddies. They were friends. They worked together in the past so many times. Brock's like, I'm not dropping the belt, but if you're going to have Kurt, I'll drop the belt to Kurt. And I've seen the match before. It's nothing special. 
but it, it's an all right, it's an all right match. But I think just the story and the history behind it is kind of funny, and that's what people are more interested in. Is that Brock was like, no, fuck you, oh, okay, Kurt, and like I saw a documentary on it, and they're like, only one man could save the day, and then they like had Kurt Angle coming out, and it's like only one man could could fix the situation, right? And they brought Kurt in to keep the peace, and I I, I think that's interesting and cool. And the fact that Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle are both previous IWGP champions is funny. Yeah, and that's funny. The and two I, whitest guys I've ever seen in my fucking yeah. life. <laughs> well, I mean, Kurt's more red now, but right. Uh, Brock Lesnar. He's like a pimple. IWGP. He went again. He went in the three-way match. Thanks, uh, sir. I can't <laughs> pronounce it. Yuki. Well, hold on. Suzuki Fujita. I don't know why they just yeah. Suzuki. And Masahiro Chono. Hey. And Ochono. Yeah. So that's how he won the belt. Yeah. But all this shit happened. They said, all right, Kurt, take it off him. And then they did the deal. And then Kurt goes to TNA shortly after, right? Yeah. And then, oh, no, Kurt was already yeah. in TNA. Okay. And then brought, cause, but they had kind of a working relationship a little bit until. They brought yeah. Okada over and they disrespected the shit out of him yeah. by making him Samoa Joe's bitch. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of the TNA guys would work uh, Wrestle Kingdom like every year. Like Kurt was always there. Sting would go. Uh, the Machine Guns were always welcome over there. Uh, Tomko, who was yep. big with TNA for a couple of years, like he was one of the IWGP tag champions. Yeah. So... Like it was, it was big to have those guys over there. And plus, like I said, uh, you know, Anoki uh, and all of them, they loved the machine guns. Yeah. So, like, it was easy to have that working relationship. But yeah, like things started to really uh, go downhill when they did the thing, uh, you know. Yeah, because they were sending their guys to TNA to get experience, yeah. to become stars in Japan. And Okada was obviously going to be a star. So they sent him over, and then they, what was his name in TNA? Because uh, he was the cameraman that was taking pictures of Pope and shit, right? Right. They called him Okada. Did they call him Okada? I thought he had a different name. It was either Okada or Kata. Okay. There might not have been an all. Okay. Uh, well, because they kind of made him look like the, the character, the side character from the Green Hornet. Yeah, he looks exactly like him. Yeah, like that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> Okato. Okay. Okay, T.O. But yeah, and that is what that was stupid, but yeah. But basically, that is the Kurt Angle-Brock Lesnar rivalry. Yeah. We basically summed it up. Yep. I don't know if we've ever given these ratings in the past, but I'd say this is like an 8.8 rivalry. I, I would agree with that because of how entertaining it was. And again, like I'm not a big ruthless aggression guy. Not like you. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, there is some stuff that I like. like Me too. Fact, like, I am fans of some guys. Yeah. Like I, I do like a lot of stuff Kurt did. Obviously I'm a, you know, I like some of the stuff John Cena did. <laughs> uh, you know, Randy Orton, 
uh, you know, the Shawn Michaels ruthless aggression era stuff, you know, back when he It also sucks then when around the time your guy ends up being a fucking psychopath. Yeah. But like fucking, I, I mean cuz that I was, was cuz that was your guy. I right. remember. I mean no yeah cuz he was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Doug loved fucking Chris Chris Benoit was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and then oh, yeah. unfortunately he almost killed the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember when the news first broke and no one knew shit and you fucking came to grandma grandpa's house in the backyard and we're barbecuing and you're fucking flipping out. Yeah, I'm flipping out because it's just like, I I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And then we find out the other shit. It's like, holy shit. It was crazy. But so that I can see why that would dampen the era a little bit for you. Yeah. But not just that. It's just you didn't grow up in it. Right. I grew up in it. I grew up in the golden era. Yeah. And then you got to see WCW 92 and shit too. Yeah. Because like that shit's not really the best wrestling, but you have a love for it because yeah. you grew up for it. Well, and, and here's one of the things too. Like when I talked earlier about the cartoon cha- or the Saturday morning cartoon channel that's going to start running, uh, you know, superstars, you know, WWF wrestling. Yeah. Uh, for, it, it, it might not even just be superstars of wrestling. They might have wrestling towns because it just depends on what aired on Saturday mornings. Yeah. He said he's also trying to get licensed to run AWA. I think he said something about Mid-South. And he's also trying to get uh, footage for like NWA, WCW. Awesome. So he's trying to do a lot of that because a lot of people remember Saturday morning lineups, no matter what channel they were on, especially in syndication. Like it could have been AWA coming on after or because a lot of the wrestling channels or a lot of the wrestling programs came right on at noon after your cartoons were done. Yeah. And if it wasn't wrestling, it would be something like American Gladiators. Yes. Uh, but usually, like, wrestling would come on, then American Gladiators would come on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go outside till about 2 o'clock, which used to drive Mom and Dad nuts. Get out of the house. It's a nice day. Got up. American Gladiators is on. <laughs> All right. Let's give final thoughts on this rivalry. What do you want to go over? Uh, I can already. So. Oh. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Well, yeah. I, I, I agree with you guys. That I'll give this um, about 8.82. I I love this library. I thought it was well done from start to finish. Each match was different in a unique way. Each guy won one one and set up the, I think, epic uh, Iron Man match. So I, then he said it's considered one of the best SmackDown matches of all time, too. So, yeah, two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Two of the biggest wrestlers in that era, especially Brock. And then um, I thought it was just a great rivalry. Underrated, too. I, I, I don't think it's talked about as much as, it, as other rivalries in that era. So here's the thing, and you guys both nailed it on the head. Two guys who, because remember, Brock came from that OVW class. Even though he wasn't necessarily being trained in OVW, he was training, you know, Brad Rangins was training training him on the side. But he was kind of dubbed as like the future of the company. 
Kurt was the best person to work with him. I mean, I give the rivalry an 8.8 myself. Yeah. I think it was one of those types of things where uh, you know, the particular match, or like the matches they had, all of them pretty much were classics. Yeah. So it was just it was a great wrestling rivalry that did turn personal from time to time. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. That was Brock and Kurt. Yeah. Uh amazing rivalry. One of my favorites. I'm glad we did it. I think it made the ruthless aggression era. But make sure to check out all our other stuff. What are we doing next week? Alright, we're gonna be a little different next week. Oh god. What are we doing? So we're gonna oh. do something we actually haven't done before. Holy shit. What's that? Uh, we are going to review, and you know, you're probably going to think this is dumb at first, but I actually think it'll be kind of fun. We're going to go back and we're going to listen to the uh, WWF Pile Driver album from 1987. Okay. It can either be we can listen to it or we can watch the music videos on YouTube. Okay. And also right. make sure that we're going to fill the time. Not only are we going to listen to that, but we're also going to listen the first album WCW ever dropped, the WCW Slam Jam album, and we're going to compare the two. Fuck yeah. So we're doing the first ever unscripted music review. Yeah. Uh, sounds good. And that's going to lead into this Sunday, me and Mindy are doing an unscripted special. It doesn't really fall into the stab cast, though we might review a horror flick at the beginning for shits and giggles. Me and Mindy are going to be talking about our top 50 favorite songs of all time. Right. So this will kind of like, this will kind of piggyback off that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, because it's something different, like, you know, because we talk about, like, entrance themes all the time and, like, how music was is a big part of wrestling. So this will be kind of, like, because Driver and Slam Jam were, like, five years apart. But still, it's just, like, WCW saw that WWF was doing something that, that WWF did something that worked. So they're, like, all right, let's try our hands. Let's not give these guys generic songs. Let's actually have them have, like, actual music. And, you know, WWF kind of did the, the same thing, and we're going to kind of get into it, compare the two, and it's basically going to be, like, you know, who did it better. I mean, I kind of already know in my head who did it better because what songs are you <laughs> going through my head? It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm excited, and we'll see everybody next week. Later. Bye. Love yep. you. Love you, too. Love you. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. America.